Hey everybody, Kevin here. Tim and I are doing our first ever giveaway and all you have to do to enter is subscribe to our Substack before August 1st. But what are we giving away? <laughs> You're gonna love this. We're talking about a mystery collectible related to the movie Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So go on over to nerdyfor30.com, hit that subscribe button before August 1st and get in on this incredible once in a lifetime giveaway. And most importantly, stay nerdy, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nerdy for 30, the podcast where we talk about nerdyish movies for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer, a.k.a. The Critic's Choice. With me, as always, is my faithful co-host, Tim Keck, a.k.a. The People's Champ. Tim, I would say you are the Luther to my Simon Pegg. How do you feel about that? I'm your strong, silent friend. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. And I'm kind of <laughs> I'm more the neurotic one. And I don't know that we have an Ethan Hunt, maybe Breen. Oh, yeah. I don't know who the Ethan Hunt would be. I, I think I'd probably rather be like a um, maybe a Haley Atwell, you know, in over my head. Sure. But uh, very hot. So it go. all works out. Hey, if it helps, that's how I've always thought about you, Tim. <laughs> Listener, if you haven't caught on already today, we are talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, the extremely lengthily titled and lengthy film. That has just dropped for the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, I will lead off on this one. I thought of the Mission Impossible movies after the first one. This is the clear winner. Do you agree with that? Do you think this is the best one they've done since the first one, Tim? No, I, <laughs> I didn't. I think in general, I have a Mission Impossible problem. I think the franchise doesn't really do anything for me. And I'm I've been diving deep into it to try and uncover why, because on okay. paper, this should be my jam. It's spies, it's action, it's stunts, it's Tom Cruise. It seems like it has everything that I like to sink my teeth into. And yet I left the theater thinking, meh, and I've been rewatching all the Mission Impossible movies. I saw your article on our Substack where you gave the ratings. I wanted to be able to talk about it today and clap back if I could. And it was uh, I've gotten all the way. I'm halfway through five. It's oh hard, man. It's hard to even yeah. like stick with these. I don't <laughs> I don't know why. Honestly, the fifth one is probably my favorite so far. What is that? Rogue Nation. I'm enjoying yeah. it a lot. I also remember I haven't got I'm like I'm right where they're introducing the big water stunt which I thought was mm. very cool at the time. I'm excited to see it again. Uh, but in general, Mission Impossible, uh, I could take it or leave it, man. How do you feel about the uh, franchise in general? Oh, my God. It's like a weight's been lifted off my chest. We can just openly talk about this. These movies are fucking trash, dude. <laughs> this franchise is terrible. <laughs> this is like the worst big budget franchise. It's been so I posted the I posted that like recap and review thing like you mentioned. And I had a couple people reply to me and a couple people beefing. And it seemed like there was a very definite split. Between people that saw that and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? All of these movies are incredible. These are unassailable. 
everything is great about the stories. Everything is great about the characters. I can't stop watching these movies and people who are like, these movies are utter shit. Thank you for finally saying it. There's nothing here. There's no story. We don't know anything about these characters. There's no reason for us to care about any of this. I can't tell you one emergency that Tom Cruise really saved the world from. It's also bland and generic. The only villain that really stands out is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. And Tim, the dividing line between these people unanimously every single time has been whether or not they like the fast franchise. If they like the fast franchise, they hate mission impossible. Wow. If they like mission impossible, they hate the fast franchise. What is this? I believe it. I was trying to make the same comparison today because I love the fast and furious. I love a big dumb action movie. I love all the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. And Those movies do some things that Mission Impossible just doesn't do. For one, they spend time flushing out a villain. You know who the bad guy is. Every Marvel movie's got the formula down. They usually open with the villain. They open with the bad guy. You know what their motivation is. A lot of the times they're right. In Fast and Furious, they spend a lot of time with the villain flushing out his, out their character because they're probably going to join the family next movie. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so this is that's something they do. Mission Impossible. I couldn't tell you a damn thing about any of these characters ever. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best villain in this whole thing because he's the best. I mean, he's an amazing actor. He's incredible. That movie opens with him giving a monologue. Which is oh, this is a pet peeve that I I effing hate is when they open Ooh. a movie and then go oh, two weeks earlier. It's like just start. <laughs> st- it's like as Dan Harmon says, like start the story where it starts, not where it gets interesting. Because the whole movie, you're like, okay, there's no consequences. There are zero consequences for the rest of the movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman is is a MacGuffin in this. They literally take his body and like drag him through stuff, and then at the end of the movie. He does his little monologue and is instantly killed and he isn't even the biggest bad guy in the thing. But his the one scene he does, they put it at the beginning because it's just the best. It's the best thing Mission Impossible's ever done. Honestly, is yeah. that one little section where Philip Seymour Hoffman is crushing it and it's completely irrelevant to the rest of the story. It doesn't actually have any weight to it, but it's a great scene with a great actor. So they've like tried to bump it to the front to make it seem more important. That's the closest they've ever come to spending time on a villain. And I mean, they don't, they don't care about these villains. It's all the same stuff. It's all the same thing. Every single time, even in this movie, they're like, well, Ethan's always going rogue. It's like, yeah, none of this means anything. He's been rogue the whole time. The first movie he goes rogue. I don't think the second one he's rogue, but then every other movie after that, it's like, what is the mission impossible force? That nobody like it's always getting dissolved. It's always <laughs> every single movie. It's like, well, time finally a straight up and down mission with the Mission Impossible Force. And they're like, gotcha. Actually, we don't exist anymore. Gotcha. Actually, you're disavowed. Actually, we're done. Actually, the CIA owns us now. Like, it's just a string of nonsense. And after a while, when you do the same thing so much with zero consequences, it's it's tough it's tough to keep caring so here's what's fascinating i agree with 
everything you just said all the way. I got no problems. I'm thinking the same thing as I'm watching back through all these. And then I have to catch myself because I'm like, yeah, how is it that every single movie, he not only has to face the villain, but he also has to face the U.S. government. Like he's always got both sides coming after him. It's always so shitty and horrible and I hate it. But by the same token, for like six fast movies in a row, the premise is that if they can pull off this heist, they're going to have their records cleared. And then at the end of the movie, The Rock is like, but I can't clear your records. And it's the ultimate betrayal. I swear for <laughs> I I mean, I watched both these franchises very quickly. Like I'd never seen a fast movie before this year. And we did fast one, but I'd never seen most of the fast movies before this year. And I'd never seen a Mission Impossible movie before a couple weeks ago. So watching them in such a compressed form really makes the patterns stand out. A lot of the patterns are the same for both these movies. I think one of the biggest differences that I could identify is that in Mission Impossible, you know what it is? Mission Impossible is for introverts and fast is yeah. for extroverts. And here's why. Yes. Mission Impossible, every movie, a couple people get added and most of them don't stick around for the next movie. Tom Cruise, <laughs> as an actor, has been kind of like trying out different friends for a while. And we find one he likes, like Bing Rains or Simon Pegg. They get to stick around for the next movie. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is like the newest friend. I think Haley Atwell is going to be a friend. Everybody else, fuck off. You don't get to come back from the next one. Fast, you're in the next movie. If you're here, you're family. You're coming back. Vin loves you. It's a movie for people that like people, Tim. Yeah, this is Fast and Furious is about family. This is a vanity project for Tom Cruise. And he needs people, people that fit in. Whereas Vin Diesel, I'm sure Vin Diesel's got an ego, too. But he does. It seems like he enjoys being the head of the family as opposed to doing his own thing. Or at least that's kind of the vibe you get from the movies. It's. You you just speak. I mean, the Fast and Furious movies are just hanging out with like Ludacris and uh, like Tyrese Gibson. Like they're just talking smack to each other, trying to trying to find a car in space or whatever it is. And like, that's fun. Mm. But in this, the most chemistry you have is Tom Cruise and, and Simon Pegg. And they aren't even in the same room most of the time. One's on a computer. One's out there like there. It's it's just different. It's a different vibe. And you're right. It's crazy with all these movies. Ving Rhames is in everyone, but barely. They even just throw him yeah. at the end of a couple just to be like, hey, actually, Ving Rhames has been here. <laughs> but they go through so many uh. people making all this stuff. I would not be shocked at all if Haley Atwell's just not in part two. <laughs> they could easily just stick with the formula and just move on. And Fast and Furious, I think, also leans into what's the biggest, dumbest thing we can do? And mm -hmm. we're trying to do the funnest thing. And yeah. for this one, it seemed like this whole movie was kind of pitched around. I was just watching this clip of the biggest stunt in cinema history. And it's him riding the motorcycle off the cliff and opening his parachute. I'm yeah. sorry. I feel like I see that every day on TikTok. I follow <laughs> base jumpers and people do. I used to follow this guy who would just jump off the top of hotels and try and land in the hotel pool. And he was great until he missed one day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is this up. real? He like broke all his legs. Yeah, man. It was like pool jumper or something. The videos are legs. terrifying. So, I mean, after watching that, it's like, oh, cool. Tom Cruise rode a bike and then went parachuting like and somehow that's supposed to be more impressive than a than a truck 
swinging on a vine in Fast and Furious. How is it even more <laughs> impressive than that thing where they're like underwater for 20 minutes filming that that scene in, in whatever the movie I'm currently watching? I think I, well, I didn't. Care. I think it's the also, difference is they really did it. It's also in the trailer. I've seen it. I got it. Yeah, I saw it. They showed us in the trailer. We've seen it. They've been showing clips of it the whole time. And all of a sudden in the movie theater, I'm supposed to be like, wow, can't believe he did that. Didn't see that coming at all. It's like you've been you've been shoving this down our throats. And I would say just unimpressive stunt. I get that the technical aspect of it is is crazy. People go skydiving all the time. People go base jumping all the time. I it didn't seem that crazy to me at all. And yeah, there's a helicopter there or whatever. And they've got to coordinate it to look cool. I mean, whatever. Uh, this is this is another analogy I had. Speaking of Fast and Furious and Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise is a better actor than The Rock. But oh, yeah, the way The Rock preps for movies is like Black Adam. He's not reading the comics. He's not taking an acting class or like delving into the character. He's I'm going to get more Jack than I've ever been before. I'm in the gym. He's like posting videos of him working out and he's saying the power and the, the DCU is going to change. And Tom Cruise is like, cool, we're doing a new movie. I'm going to fly a jet this time. And he's like, cool. What's the next stunt I'm going to do? It's not about acting. It's about what's the next thing I'm going to jump off of or hang off of. And it doesn't make a difference to the movie experience. You know, I just watched the the one where he's like hanging on the side of the plane and it's mm-hmm. cool. He actually did it. It would have been cool if he just CGI'd it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Who cares? Who cares if he actually does it? I watch movies where cool stuff happens all the time and they don't actually do it. I mean, you're an actor. We're not expecting you to actually do things. If they do a CGI, if they recreate this whole thing in CGI, I think I'm still it's the same to me. It's the same. Am I crazy? Are you impressed by Tom Cruise doing these like real stunts? I'm impressed, but I do think the thing that makes it super risky and super impressive is just that it's Tom Cruise doing it. It's just the fact that if he dies doing this, we don't get any Tom Cruise movies anymore. And like the 400 people that are directly employed by Tom Cruise getting work in movies don't get work anymore and they have to find a different actor to work with like i think it's just the tom cruise of it all because if we look at just people doing really risky stuff on film jack is forever it's pretty crazy yeah they were doing some pretty wild shit all the stuff they've done a jackass over the years the one where they have the plane engines going and they're playing football by just tossing the football into the jet exhaust that could have taken somebody's head off like some of the shit they're doing is insane in that and there is definitely a degree of respect that i have for those that i don't necessarily have for all these tom cruise stunts although i will say i mean you watch some of these things it is impressive it's just not enough right because these movies are clearly built around stunts i want to see if you feel the same way and then we have to talk about this actual movie because we're halfway through and we haven't talked about dead (laughs) reckoning at all um so my biggest takeaway starting to watch this franchise was we watched the first movie and it's very early nineties, but it's like, wow, this movie is very good. This is like a really cool espionage thing. Ethan hunt seems very grounded. He seems like a guy who's not going to get in a fist fight. He's not necessarily pulling guns. He's a clever guy who's going to sneak his way out. He's closer to like solid snake from metal gear solid on PlayStation. Um, it's like, it's, it's so cool and so well-constructed. And then you go into the second movie and it's just shit. 
John Woo made it a just <laughs> generic action movie. Suddenly everything's different. Ethan's jumping off motorcycles and tackling people. And from that the last point 45 forward, minutes is pretty sweet. There's the dove scene is dope. I'll give you that. But yeah. like it's a different franchise after the first one, which the fast movies have done a little bit too, but like it's it's very specifically different in Mission Impossible, where after that first movie, there is no plot anymore. The entire thing is constructed around the stunt for the movie. Did you pick up on the same thing? Do you have more of an affinity for the first one than the other ones? I think the first one is probably a better movie overall. Mm. And then the second one is just like takes it into the extreme action end of the action. And I think the real and then the third one kind of brings us back somewhere in the middle. So, yeah, I mean, I do agree. I think I think the first one is is probably the best one. Uh just as far as being a, a good movie. And there's I think your write up is pretty good where they introduce a whole team. They kill them all. And it's <laughs> and it establishes a threat immediately. And it's kind of fun and unique. And they haven't done it a million times. And yeah, I, I do think another problem I had have with these movies, Kev, is. That you have to pay attention to them. You can't just passively enjoy these fast and furious. I feel like you can tune out and come back in and you're there. Sure. (laughs) They're doing a car thing in Mission Impossible. You don't even know who the bad guy is unless you listen to eight different monologues about this. Why are they doing this thing? Well, they've got all this and it's just MacGuffin. They're just saying MacGuffin, 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 MacGuffin to each other. Like, here's this. Here's this. Here's that. And you have to. And it's all useless information it's all dumb Mm -hmm. it's all the same stuff but you have to pay attention to it and i think being forced to pay attention to something that i know is kind of unimportant is a real buzzkill with these things yeah it'd be different if the movie earned it i want to pay attention to what's happening the dark knight because the dark knight's a very cool movie with a lot of great twists and turns happening but ultimately all of the stuff in mission impossible so empty we don't care about anything that's happening because we do not give a shit about these characters we don't know enough about these people's backstories to make us care about any of them which i think is a great segue into dead reckoning because i think we both came away with the same conclusion that Haley atwell is maybe the first very good character in one of these like Haley Atwell's a ton of fun. We know a little bit about her backstory. We see her before she joins the IMF. There's a lot of parallels here to Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Indiana Jones, where a lot of people said that Phoebe in that movie is kind of where Indy is in Temple of Doom, like when he starts his adventuring and uh, or very early into his adventuring. And Haley here is right at the start of her relationship with the IMF. And it's neat to see her be not fully not an audience surrogate, but more of an audience surrogate than we normally get. Yeah, I liked that element in the second one where he's actually recruiting someone who is not in MIF. And it's the love. It's his, it becomes she becomes his love interest. And she's mm-hmm. put in this situation where she has to do spy stuff and she's not a spy. And I think yeah. that's kind of an interesting story and they don't really go back to it. I don't believe until Haley Atwell now where she's in this. She's a thief. She's like tangentially evolved, but is very much over her head. And it's fun to just have. You're right. The audience perspective like this is crazy. What's going on? I'm not. Even when they introduce characters like uh, 
uh, gosh, Hawkeye, when they add Hawkeye to the franchise, oh, yeah. they, they add him up and you're like, cool. So this is a guy who doesn't know what's going on. Actually, he's been a, a crazy agent the whole time <laughs> and he knows Kung Fu and everything's cool. So so they undercut all these things. Everyone in this is very competent. Everyone in this that they meet is like a secret agent. They can all fight and do all this stuff until you get to Haley Atwell. And it's great. It's refreshing. She's it's it's a fun take on a new character. I do. Mm-hmm. All, I do want to voice my frustration with Palm. Clementif. Uh, oh, Clementif. Yeah. I think. Did you see the interview she did where Simon Pegg was in her ear and telling her to do stuff the whole time? No, I didn't did, see she, this They were at all. promoting the movie and Simon Pegg is just like, you know, uh, try and say hashtag as many times as possible. And then Palm's just like talking to this interviewer and it's very cute. And Palm is then just takes that and just starts improvising stuff like to mess with them. And it's very charming and very weird. And it's like, oh, yeah, Palm is amazing. She she seems like a very cool hang. All all the Guardians of the Galaxy, they're like she's like their favorite. You know, anytime mm-hmm. they do an interview thing and they're like, who's your favorite? It's Palm. She's goofy. She does all these like prank videos. There's been this like this clip going around of the superhero fantasy football league. And she made the smack talking video that Simon Pegg filmed for her. And it's some like French homage to something that Tom Cruise is in. And it's just her talking smack to Chris Hemsworth about how his fantasy league is going to lose to hers. She's awesome. She's a cool personality. She was a fun character in Gardens of the Galaxy. And in this, she is relegated to silent Asian woman. And it sucks. It's I mean, it's a stereotype that exists and they just settle back to like somebody saw her (laughs) at Mission Impossible and was like, yeah, I have a great idea. What if she doesn't talk? What if she just silently stands there? And this is even in the boys. I remember watching something with the creators of the boys and they have Mm -hmm. a character that is an Asian woman who can't talk. And they said they did that intentionally because they had the plan of of undercutting that character and trying to flush that out and and undercut the stereotype. They wanted to break the stereotype. And in this clip, they were expressing remorse that by trying to break the stereotype, they really just did the stereotype. And now they're stuck in a place where they have this character who is complex and fun and they want to stick around, but she still can't talk. So so they did like that musical scene where they like have been trying to come up with excuses for her to talk and stuff to break that mold. Mm -hmm. But this is a stereotype and it's a bummer to take what seems like one of the coolest hangs in this in this cast and turn her into just a a nameless assassin. I mean, she looks great. She kicks ass. The fighting's cool. I mean, she's great. It's just it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a it's lazy, I think. And uh yeah, and a franchise that always isn't always great to women. It's just another. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't always. <laughs> this franchise is so bad to women. I was just going to say, well, I don't think she's dead. So I think there's a chance for them to bring her back and get it right. And then I was like, what am I talking? This is the Mission Impossible franchise. This thing has been doing women dirty since day one when they had John Voight say, hey, my wife. And then it cuts to a group of like. 26 year olds and I'm like I'm sorry which of these is John Boyd's play <laughs> which person at this table oh god is it Emilio I I don't know like also does it ah, seem dude, like she had wild. to sleep with Tom Cruise in that movie and just does no. 
She absolutely did. He kills her first. Naya, I mean, Naya, awful. They do Tandaway Newton terribly in the second movie where they're like, hey, so we need you to go infiltrate and steal information from your ex. Uh, you know, do whatever. Sleep with him if he asks you to. Also, we're a spy organization that specializes in stealing info from other people, but <laughs> we still need you, an untrained spy, to do this with your ex-boyfriend. Um, most of the time, I mean, like, the the characters that don't come back it's what maggie q in mission impossible 3 she's gone she was yeah. great gone carrie russell incredible dead immediately <laughs> this movie dead reckoning part two fridges two women we get a flashback to something we've never seen before in even hunt's life and it's his love when he's younger getting fridged to motivate the plot and then halfway through oh, this movie yeah. rebecca ferguson gets fucking <laughs> fridged this movie fridges two people oh it's wild <laughs> dude that's so crazy it's crazy to be seven movies in and it's like well actually ethan hunt is only doing this because he was framed for a murder and so now he was forced <laughs> to join this thing and it's like that's very much not the tone of any of these other movies all the no. other movies present him as a patriot who is doing this he was sacrificing this because he loves his you know he loves his country he believes in mm-hmm. the mission this isn't I don't know. What was that uh, like gamer or whatever that? Uh, oh, gosh. Remember that there was like that one movie where the uh, there were convicts and kids got to play them as video game characters oh, and they all shot yeah. each other. <laughs> that's like really what they turned Ethan into. <laughs> They're like, you owe us this. That's why you can't leave. But in earlier movies, they let him go on vacation. They let him leave. <laughs> he went on a honeymoon. <laughs> he walked away. The he retired. Thing. He took himself they out of the field. They have the choice to accept or not. It's always a choice, apparently. But but then it's like you're in forever. But he got the choice. But he doesn't have a choice. It's it's dumb. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy for a movie or a franchise to have such a body of work. And to disregard that body of work so thoroughly. (laughs) (laughs) Like everyone is a new every every one of these movies is a soft reboot. (laughs) Like every single time (laughs) they're like, well, I had a wife. That's done. (laughs) We killed the wife. But then actually she's still alive. (laughs) It's like at some point. It's interesting who they fridge and who they don't either, because. The wife dying felt like an earned loss and it's it's him losing his connection to outside MIF and then it's forcing him like back into the world. There's like symbolism in it and it's something that could actually break him and set him on a different character journey in a way that I think would be a little more little more exploratory than simply fridging somebody. (laughs) But then they don't then they don't do that. And she's alive and she's out there. But I guess, you know, they're not together. So Tom Cruise can hook up with whoever the next person is. Right. Yeah. So it's the ultimate male fantasy, Tim. Lauren and I have been ripping this apart. He he offered nothing to her in that relationship. There was absolutely <laughs> nothing that Ethan was providing to her. And then they end up kind of, you know, separating. So they're not married anymore. And 
it's the end of I think it's the end of five. You're going to come back up on it. There's that moment where he's kind of watching her from afar as her silent protector. So it's like, all right, cool. Now she divorced this dude who almost got her killed a couple times and she's in witness protection program. So she can't talk to anyone else from her life. Any of these wonderful people we met in Mission Impossible three, this like big, great family unit she had. They're all gone. Thanks to this guy. <laughs> and she can move on and see other people now. But Tom Cruise is going to be there watching from afar, stalking her, keeping track of her every move as a quote unquote protector. It's the worst, dude. This yeah. movie literally has the line. I laughed out loud in the theater when this happened. This movie literally has the line. Somebody get these women out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Uh, it's also so funny that he's faced with a choice of Rebecca Ferguson, his longtime love interest, <laughs> right? And friend, or this new piece of ass that he's still trying to keep the door open for. Like, like what is this franchise <laughs> is so fucked. To oh put Haley Atwell on dude. the same level as like a member of his family. I get he wants to save everybody. That's what the good guys do. But it shouldn't be close, right? She is. No. She's. He's known her a day. If it's going to be anybody, put Simon Pegg or Luther into that situation. Oh my Why God. does it have to be two women? Make it two people that he's known for forever. Make it a tough choice. Simon Pegg and Ving <laughs> Rames in that situation would be crazy. Having to choose. My God. Yeah. I would love to see what he does. Oh boy. Yeah. This is, you know, this is not, this is not the franchise for me. And it sounds like not the franchise for you either. Yeah. It's a little weird. Can't say it's my fave. Uh, going to be at the bottom of our rankings. I didn't pull them up. So we'll do that. Uh, another time on review preview, we'll rank these. Wow. Are you actually thinking dead last for this? I don't think it's dead last. It's not worse than the cabin movie. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, this is a, my, I, I don't hate these movies. I want their, mm -hmm. Once again, I don't think they're I don't think this movie's as good as Indiana Jones. No, agreed. I don't totally think agreed. it is. Indiana Jones, I would say, had a better train fight. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. All the weird recurring. How about Rome with Fast X? Fast X had a better Rome scene. Yeah, there's it seemed like Mission Impossible got beat to the punch by a ton of other movies. The train scene at the end. The train fight, whatever the train and them having to fight their way through and out of the train. Incredibly cool sequence. But at yeah. that point, they'd also already won. So somehow I didn't care about it the same way. Am I crazy? They got the no. thing. The whole mission is to get this thing. They got the thing. Mission accomplished. And now they're in this train that's falling apart. And, you know, they're going to get out of it because they're making a part two. So, so, so it's it's the coolest part of the whole thing, I think, is them getting out of the train and the cars dropping and sliding off. But somehow it doesn't have any tension in it. And I'm just not in, I'm not enjoying it the way I could have. And uh, yeah, I, I I guess I'm team fast and furious, Kevin. Dude, I'm team fast all the way. Yeah. I ride for and with the family <laughs> ride for the family listener what do you think are we wrong are you team mif or team fam 
let us know. We should make that a poll at the bottom. So answer the poll if you're listening to this on Spotify or shoot us an email, nerdy430 at gmail.com. We will read it in the mailbag that's coming up on our review preview episode next week. Until then, everybody, thank you very much for listening and stay nerdy. Stay nerdy. Bye. Bye. Also, subscribe to the Substack. We're giving away a piece of Indiana Jones merchandise. Oh, way too late for that. Enter in there. Way too late. Nobody's going to We can't even put that in. We'll just put the ad in the beginning.